Hello, my witchy friends, and welcome to episode number 21 of the Comfy Cozy Witch podcast with me, Jenny Blonde, the Comfy Cozy Witch. And thank you for joining me today again. Today's episode is a continuation of last week's episode where I talked about witchy terms and words and jargon. And there were a number of you who reached out and said that you liked the witchy terms and you you liked the English nerd part of me explaining all of this. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead, get through the rest of the terms. And then next week's episode, I will talk all about Beltane because we have the third fertility Sabbat coming up and I always love Beltane. So before I go into these witchy terms and words, I want to share what is making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. So I have a little problem, and I know many of you, my witchy friends out there, have shared that you have a similar problem, and that is my overabundance of journals and unused journals. And it might sound silly, but that's actually what is making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. Being surrounded by all of these (laughs) notebooks filled with blank pages that I haven't written anything in. And I think it's because there's so much potential for them, Uh, so much potential for journals and a new spell book and new books of shadows and just areas to write down notes about witchy stuff and notes about book ideas and whatever else I want to write about. So just in the last probably three weeks, I think I've collected six, maybe five or six new notebooks and or journals. And some of them were given to me. I Not all of them were purchased by me. Some of them were given to me because my family and friends, they they know me. And oftentimes I find for my birthday or for different holidays, friends have a tendency to get me a journal because they know that I write and they know that I take notes on, well, everything. But right now I'm sitting at my desk and, you know, I think, was it last week or the week before I talked about all of the Oracle card decks and tarot card decks that were surrounding me? Well, on my desk right now, it's the same thing, but with with journals and notebooks. So right right to my right, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. This is really embarrassing. 12, 13. I have 13 notebooks or journals. Now, I will say in my defense, the, the one book on top, that is my old book of shadows that I've been going through and pulling out rituals and pulling out spells to put in my new spell book. So in the past, I have kept everything in my book of shadows. I've always kept everything in my books of shadows, my workings, my magical workings, any notes, uh, moon phases, work with the moon, everything goes in that. But what I've what I've been finding is when I'm going back into previous books of shadows, and I'm looking for something in particular, it's hard for me to find it because I have to think, oh, wait, when did I do that? Or when did I write that one? Was it July of 2018? Was it December of whatever year? And so what I'm trying to do now is compile all of my magical workings into one book so that it will just be essentially a book of just spells. 
And that's it. And I know there are many people who have their book of spells is their book of shadows. Mine, mine is, you know, all of my magical workings and all of my inner thoughts and like musings. But I wanted this separate one just for my my spells and my ritual work. So I ended up finding one at Barnes and Noble. Of course, you know, Barnes and Noble is my favorite store in the world. <laughs> and I found one at Barnes and Noble a couple weeks ago, maybe six, maybe a month, a half, month and a half ago or so. And it is beautiful. It is navy. It's leather bound. It's navy and it has like a gold foiled, um, what is that called? Paisley, a little bit of paisley, but it doesn't look really florally. It doesn't look too paisley like. And then it has a navy strap that wraps around it and I can tie it closed and then it opens up. It is really beautiful. And if you caught my live, I did a live, I think right when I got it, I showed everybody. Um, and I'll, I'll post a picture, I'm sure, at some point on my stories or on my feed. But it is just a really beautiful book and I can't wait to get started on this. And last weekend, as you know, my son was out of town. So I had some time to get work done. I spent a lot of time watching television, not gonna lie, binge watching TV shows and catching up on my favorite movies that I watch at least once or twice a year that I had to watch again. Um, But I did spend some good time journaling and going through my old book of shadows uh, or my most recent, I should say, book of shadows to see what I wanted to pull out and put in this new journal. So it's really, I mean, it's really lovely and I'm excited to go through these, but I will say it's overwhelming when I look at my desk right now, and you can probably hear my voice change as I turn my head because I'm looking around at all of these empty notebooks. And I just, I can't help myself. And I know so many of you are like me because you've told me in the Facebook group or, you know, on my Instagram feed, you've commented and said, I have the same problem. I have like 30 unused notebooks. And even some of my friends I've said, I can't, I can't buy any more. You know, I'm asking them to keep me accountable, but it doesn't matter. I still end up buying more because I see a cute little notebook at TJ Maxx or when I'm browsing on Target for a pickup or I'm going to Barnes & Noble. I always find notebooks there or Etsy. And that's the thing on Instagram or Facebook, you get those targeted, so well targeted ads, advertisements for journals and books of shadows and notebooks. And then it takes you directly to that link on Etsy or wherever it is, you know, you get these ads. And so I have, I've actually picked up two or three notebooks in the last year or so that came from an advertisement, initially came from an advertisement. But, you know, as chaotic as it might seem that these books are strewn about everywhere, at the same time, it does make me feel comfy and cozy because my words will fill them up. And, and it will lead to really good stuff. And I do want to say one thing about the mess that is my sacred space right now. So my desk is a mess. My altar is okay right now, but my floor altar, I have an altar I like to sit out on the floor once in a while. Um, that area is a mess. And I now I'm, I'm thinking back, did I mention this in the last podcast? If I did, you're going to hear it again, just really fast. But when I was talking with Rowan, you all know my friend Rowan, we did an episode together. When I was talking to Rowan, and I was telling him all about my mess and I was like video chatting, I was showing him, you know, the, the hot mess in my sacred space. 
he said to me, he's like, Jenny, that that's not a messy space. That is a working space that that shows me, you know, and shows you that you're working, you're getting the magic done, you're getting stuff done. And he's so right, because I think we get so caught up, especially with the the witch talk and the very curated Instagram feeds, we get so caught up in that beautiful witchy aesthetic that we lose sight sometimes of, at the end of the day, what it what we do as um, witches and what we do in our daily practice. And my practice, yeah, is a little bit of a mess, but it is a working space for me. That is my mess. That is my working space where the magic happens. And, you know, he reminded me of that and I needed that little reminder. So I'm hoping that telling you now that reminds you when you look around at your sacred space, you look around at your office and you're like, oh, it's such a mess. Remember, it's not necessarily a messy space. It's a working space. And that's because you're getting stuff done. You have your tools out. You have your notebooks out. You have your cards out because you are doing the work and you are, you know, tapping into your magic and your power and you're getting it done. So I just thought I would share that with you. Uh, So again, thank you, Rowan, for that. So Anyway, all of this, this working space, all of these journals that I have, some written in, some completely empty, that is what currently makes me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. So here we go with the main segment. Last week, we started our chat about witchy vocab words. I say vo- I said vocab, vocab again. How many years for 14 years? Remember, I taught high school English and it was vocab, vocab. Witchy terms and witchy jargon and witchy words. Vocab sounds so school-like. So I apologize for that. And Last week, we talked about the differences between similar terms and just I introduced maybe some new things to you, maybe some things that you already know, and that is fine. And I'm going to continue going this week because I think a lot of you got much out of that. And I apologize. I did I did listen through part of the last episode, but I did not listen fully. So if I repeat myself with some of these terms, I'm sorry, I'm pretty sure I won't too much, but let me go through them. Okay, so I want to talk now about uh, the elements, the four elements, five really elements. You have earth, air, water, and fire, Uh, but which is add that spirit or akasha to the category. Every element has a direction associated with it, so a direction within a magic circle or the working. So... East is associated with air. So you have air in the east. You have fire in the south. You have, yep, go ahead, bud. Sorry, my son was holding up a Nutella snack in front of my door (laughs) asking if he could eat it. So I had to take a break for a second. So fire in the south, water of the west, earth in the north, And then center or really all around, everything is spirit or akasha. So those are the five elements. Oftentimes in, you know, muggle talk, you hear the four elements, but in witch talk, T-A-L-K, not witch talk. (laughs) Um, I I really just said that and thought that was funny. I 
that probably wasn't very funny. But anyway, you have that fifth element. You have that that spirit or akasha. And I think, you know, if you're a beginner witch, one of the first things I I think that it's valuable to know are those five elements and their associated directions. I think that's so important because you'll use them in a lot of your workings as you become more experienced and as you practice your craft a little bit more. All right, so let us move on. Let's go to, oh, hand fasting. You know, and I, I want to talk about hand fasting now because Beltane is right around the corner. And Beltane what is the Sabbath celebration where traditionally many people were hand fasted. And that is a pagan marriage ceremony where they're bound together by by their hands. Two, two people are bound together by their hands and they give their vows, whatever they've written, whatever they've decided upon. Um, and hand fasting is very popular during Beltane because Beltane is the third fertility festival. It is the Sabbath that celebrates the coming together, the consummation of the God and goddess, which I'm going to talk about next week on that episode. But hand fasting is that marriage ceremony. It's a pagan, uh, oftentimes Wiccan in the Wiccan tra- tradition. Um, it's that marriage ceremony. Okay, an initiation. So an initiation is an experience that transforms an individual that their concept of personal and worldly reality has been altered, okay? That is one part of initiation, but it's also a ceremony, so a dedication um, ceremony. But that dedication ceremony really shouldn't be confused with an initiation, which is that experience that transforms you as an individual. That even though when you hear the word initiation, you think, oh, I'm initiated into the society, I'm initiated into this or that, that type is really called a dedication ceremony. In when we're talking about witchcraft, that initiation is your experience that transforms you and that you grow into. So you're initiated really into your own practice. And and this is just me saying this. This is from what I've read, what I've researched, what I believe. So you might think something differently. Again, everybody thinks differently and might have different definitions. But that is traditionally what initiation was, um, or is, I should say. So karma, let's move on to karma, because we hear this a lot. Karma is the belief that a person's thoughts and a person's actions can be counted against them or counted for them, you know, added to their spiritual path during several lifetimes. So you carry over uh, this positive and or negative karma from things that you have said, thoughts that you've had, deeds that you've done, and it can carry over from one life to the next. And in Sanskrit, karma means action and it follows that law of cause and effect and, you know, I hear people say all the time, oh, karma's going to get them, karma's going to get them. Well, 
I guess that that is true if you do have that belief of karma that your thoughts and your deeds and actions can be counted um, against you or for you, again, can help you throughout your spiritual journey, not just in this life, but in your your next lifetime, the next lifetime. Um, and things that you're experiencing now could be karma from a previous lifetime. So that's the thought, that's the thought of karma. So two other terms that that I hear often and that you might encounter would be the left-hand path and the right-hand path. And the left-hand path is a term that is used to identify a path or identify people that feel that they can use justify or that use justify, that they can justify using magic for purposes that are not necessarily constructive or positive to other other human beings. Doing work that is more, I hate to use the word hexing in nature, hexing, but but things that are not necessarily constructive to other people. Whereas the right-hand path is a magical path that is considered more positive in nature there's, you know, a gray path, which is somewhere, somewhere in the middle, where I think many witches kind of find, find themselves. And I don't hear, I don't hear these terms as much now, I think, as I did years ago. Um, But I just thought it would be nice to, to throw those out there. And to, so other terms, there's macrocosm and microcosm that you will see when, when, you'll encounter in magical readings or witchy readings, macro, you know, is large, macro, the world around us. So your the macrocosm is the world all around us, beyond us. Microcosm is that world we in, within us. So it's that smaller, that smaller world. So this word is a big part of, the next word I should say, is a big part of witches' lives and their working because that is magic, the word magic. And magic, and I do like it, I do like to use it with a K. And I believe, you know, it was Alistair Crawley who added the K to magic to differentiate it from the stage magic, M-A-G-I-C. Differentiate magic, like which is magic, powerful that we would have in, within ourselves from that stage magic that magicians would perform. So magic with a K is the art and science of focusing your will, your emotions, and your actions to affect change in the world around you and in the world within you. So in that macrocosm and microcosm, look how we're bringing in our vocabulary words. Oh gosh, this this Jenny, the English teacher, needs to stop on my podcast. <laughs> but magic, magic is neither good nor evil, positive nor negative. It's the use of that power that de- determines the path that that you take. So again, magic is that art and science focusing your will and emotions to affect some sort of change change for the good, change for worse. So I hope that 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 is helpful. Uh, With magic then, magical systems. So you have magical systems throughout all of the ages, and that refers to different traditions 
denominations even whenever you're getting into um, Wicca, sex, or even sex, like S-E-C-T-S, or pantheons. So the magical system is a basic set of guidelines relating to specific gods, goddesses, deities, or cultural or religious traditions. And there are many, many different magical systems out there. And I think even people kind of create their own magical systems for their own practice. So let's talk about pagan and neo-pagan. And I really think I'm going to do an episode, one episode on pagan versus witch versus Wiccan versus, I think that would be helpful. Um, And I have seen other podcast episodes out there, episodes out there from other podcasters have done on that. So give that a listen if if that's something you would like. But I think I'll eventually do an episode on that. So a pagan is... In my eyes, I see it as a follower of a nature-based religion because that's what I am. But but it's also, a pagan is really any, any religion that is not one of the three Abrahamic religions. And um, for me, as a pagan, that is a follower of a nature-based practice and um, working with nature as the divine. Um, but a pagan, I mean, there are, hundreds of pagan religions, because really it's any religion that is not one of the Abrahamic religions. And then the term neo-pagan is a newer, a newer term in the last, I don't know, probably 40 years, 30, 40 years, means new, like a newer, a new pagan. Um, I, I hear it more now. I didn't hear it years ago. It wasn't as popular, but that is a term that seems to have come out more, especially as like there was like that new age wave that came through in the 90s, I would say. And don't quote me on that. Like I'm not, I'm not a historian. I don't know all of this. This is just what I, from my experience and from what I've read, uh, but like that was kind of a result of the new agey, new age stuff. Okay. So moving on to a pantheon. Because I have said this word before on my lives. I've said this before and people have asked later on what it is. And a pantheon is simply a collection or a group of deities, of gods and goddesses in a particular a particular religious or mythical structure. So your Greek pantheon is that collection of deities that sit on Mount Olympus and the myths that go along with those deities. That is the Greek pantheon. There's the Roman pantheon, of course, Egyptian. I mean, there are Norse pantheon, Celtic. There, there are so many different pantheons out there. And again, it's just that collection or group of deities. Okay, let's move on to the pentacle. Oh, so the pentacle, I have one, I have one on my porch right now. You saw the the pentacle that I created and I have them all in my space in here, in my altar. The pentacle is um, the circle surrounding a five-pointed upright star, and that star is known as the pentagram. And the pentacle is worn as a symbol of a witch's belief. And it's used in magical workings, it's used in spells, it's used in ceremonies. The five points on it 
And this goes back to our first vocab term of the day. <laughs> the five points on the star go back to those five elements, earth, fire, water, air, and spirit. I had to make sure I didn't say any of them twice. Um, and they're in the point there's the point is always at the top. They are not traditionally worn inverted. In fact, years ago, which is thought that you could not do this. It was blasphemy to wear to wear the pentacle upside down. But but that's just that's just a little bit of a little tidbit for you. But yes, it is a circle surrounding a five-pointed upright star and each of the points represent the five elements. And it's so crazy to me that, you know, pentagram, pentacles, when certain populations see that, they immediately think it's something evil, it's something terrible, witchcraft. But if only people realized, no, like it is a symbol. It is a an earth symbol that represents these five beautiful elements and our connection to our craft, our power, and to nature. It's just a really beautiful symbol. And so yes, that is that is the pentacle. Let's move on to ritual. Ritual is a focused mental and or physical ceremony to to honor your pantheon, to honor a deity, or to perform a specific magical work, or to perform a specific act doing some spell works. And I talked about ritual on my episode about rituals. (laughs) I think it was my second or third episode. It was early on. And for me, you know, a ritual is something that you do pretty frequently that connects you to your practice, connects you to your magic in some way and reminds you of that. Um, And it's different. Ritual is different than habitual, something that's a habit you just do without thinking. Ritual is very intentional because it's focused. You're focused mentally and oftentimes physically on doing something that connects you to your craft. So let's talk about runes. Because I just I just started a book about runes. I'm really excited about, and it was, I don't know where it went. Yep, you can have that. Go ahead, buddy. Okay, now he wants an applesauce. See, he's taking, my son is taking advantage of me recording my podcast because I really don't want to pause it right now to have to go back and edit because I'm not very good at the whole editing thing. So he just looks at me, holds up food, and I just like shake my head. So he's getting away with eating a whole bunch of food this afternoon, which is funny. So moving on, uh, runes. They are a set of symbols that are used both in divination and in magical workings. And there are many different types of runes and they have different origins. And again, I think I'll eventually do a complete episode on runes. A few of them are Norse runes, Scandinavian, Germanic. Um, They they aren't associated with a specific, you know, pantheon, I would say. They function as an alphabet and they're useful in like a daily pool or if you are trying to recall something, dream recall, uh, or if you're trying to make some decisions. They're very much to me like pulling 
an oracle card or pulling a tarot, tarot card or other sorts of divination, any other sorts of divination. And the runes that I work with, I work, I work with the Elder Futhark, um, which is a set of 24 runes and a blank rune. And I'm about to start the book that I just started, Wild Rune, Wild Wild Runes. I posted it recently on my on my feed. But the book I'm about to start is a 33 week study in the runes. And each week you focus on one rune. Now it's funny, there's 33 weeks, so I'm not sure which system of runes it's going to use. Um, But I'm really excited to dig into that a little bit. All right, so let's talk about, oh my goodness, where are we with time? I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going. Scrying. Scrying, I'm, I hear a lot of scrying uh, recently. It's another divination method using specific tools that uh, reflect in some way. So a reflective type of tool like water or inked water, a mirror, the crystal ball, you know, that, that stereotypical, ooh, the crystal ball, that is a scrying tool where the person using it sees either visual pictures or mental um, images or information that comes to them in these methods that they can interpret and see within these reflections. So that's a little bit about scrying. Um, a sigil. A sigil is a magically created sign, symbol, seal, glyph, uh, or other device used in a magical working. And I did a a course not too long ago, or I taught, I taught for a Valentine's Day, a little love sigil class through Facebook. And, you know, sigils are really powerful when you create them yourself. And it's just a little symbol that you have, you have magically embedded with, with intention, and that you can use on letters and packages and clothing. You can draw it on yourself. People will get sigil tattoos. Um, You can tuck it in your pocket, write it in a notebook, and then you can take the sigil that you created and you can burn it to have it like come to fruition. Um, Sigil, that's a whole other episode. See, as I'm going through these terms, I'm realizing, wow, I could have full episodes on like a lot of the a lot of these vocabulary words because they're just big topics within themselves. Okay, moving on. So something that you'll hear, and I remember the first time I read what this was when I was like 14 years old, I was like, oh my goodness. And you might know the word uh, that I'm about to say, skyclad. Woo! So in some traditions, uh, for example, the Alexandrian uh, Wicca tradition, going skyclad is the act of celebrating or doing some sort of magical working in the nude. It's not to be construed with anything that is sexual in nature, uh, but it's just doing your magical working in the nude, without material between you and the environment. Uh, there are many solitary witches that prefer to work skyclad as well, because feeling that absence of clothing leaves energy unhindered. 
and um, receptive, you know, during, receptive to things during a particular ceremony. Okay, so let's go on to a spell. So a spell is extended mental and emotional energy that is spoken aloud. It is written down. It is spoken to yourself. It is drawn or even danced or or brought about in some artistic manner. And to work, a spell needs to be clear, concise. It needs to be focused. You want to have your energy put into that emotional um and the need must be present to bring any spell to successful culmination. So you have to have that intention set to bring a spell to fruition and to make it happen. And there are many, many different ways to do spells and create spells and um, rituals to do this. So it sounds like spell work is going to be a whole episode as well. <laughs> Okay, the let's go to oh goodness. We talked about the tarot before. I did I did an episode about tarot versus oracle cards, but I'll just go quick. You know, tarot cards are that set of 78 cards which carry pictures and symbols, and it's another divination to, tool used to connect you with the collective unconscious, to collect to connect you with spirit, your higher self, deity ancestors, what have you, your team that is working for you. There, No one really knows the specific origins of the cards. I've read so many different theories about where the tarot began. Um, but now you can find these decks anywhere. It's a huge market. The, the Rider Waite tarot is the most well-known. That's like your traditional and Smith, Rider Waite Smith tarot is the most well-known, um, but there are so many decks out there and more and more every single day are coming out. And yes, there will be an episode just on the tarot. That's already in the works. Let's talk about, okay, two more words because there are so many more I could I could go, but I'm going to do two more and wrap up this episode. So first is the Wheel of the Year, which I celebrate as a pagan witch. It is one full cycle of the seasonal year and the witch's year begins with the Samhain celebration. So Samhain, of course, is right after Halloween and that is the witch's new year. And so the wheel of the year officially begins then and goes the whole way through to my favorite Sabbath, Mabin. So that is the wheel of the year and it celebrates the seasonal year and the, the death and rebirth and growth and death again of life, of nature. Um, and I just think the, celebrating the wheel of the year is beautiful and celebrating each turn on the wheel is just beautiful. I love it. The Sabbaths are my favorite days of the year. And then finally... The word working, as in magical working, because I think you'll hear me say this a lot. You hear other practitioners say magical working. And it's simple. It is the process of using magic to reach a desired positive goal. 
So your magical working could be spell work for you. Simply writing in a journal could be magical working. Any of your divination is magical working. Working with your crystals to divine things and to connect with yourself, that's a magical working. It's any of these things that is the process of using magic to and an intention to reach a desired goal. Um, so I think that's, that's it. These, these terms, vocab words that I went over this week and last week, they do not encompass all of the terminology that you will find in witchcraft. I think that that is obvious because there's so much. And you have to remember that various traditions have their own terminology that they share. And even some covens and traditions have their own terms that they have within their community that does not get shared elsewhere that I wouldn't be aware of. I mean, I've been a solitary my whole life. Goodness, you know, people didn't know until very recently of my practice. But I will say that I'm sure there are terms that I don't know because I've been a solitary practitioner. But you know, as you're learning some of these terms, research them, talk to other witches, get out your journal, get out your notebook, start writing these ideas down, writing these terms down. If there are, nope, there she is. It's not an episode without re-saying hello. If there are words that you aren't understanding, research them a little bit more and, and ask other people, grab some books and journal about them. Um, other, I, I didn't talk about moon, the moon cycle, because that was a whole other episode and celebrating the moon and definitions of the moon cycle and and esbets and sabbats and full new um, gibbous waning waxing moons. Like I didn't talk about that. You can find that on another episode, just as there are many other terms that I didn't cover. But I think this was a decent overview of them. And I hope that it was helpful. And there were a number of you that reached out to me and said, which this just made my day when you said this, uh, that you already knew a lot of these terms, but you just liked hearing my voice. And that just made me smile and just laugh a little bit. Like, that's so kind of you. Because here I am just rambling on about witchy vocabulary. But thanks for sticking with me. So let's get into the card of the week. So I thought I hit record and I didn't, but I haven't pulled the card yet. <laughs> so that that works. I'll just redo this intro about the deck I'm using today. So today I am using using Karen Kay's Oracle of the Fairies deck. And I really like this deck. It's really whimsical and beautiful. And I use it typically when I need some inspiration for my writing. I come to this fairy deck and it's appropriate that I'm grabbing it now in the spring because we are coming on to Beltane. And Beltane is the time of year where, or one of the times of the year, where the veil is just a little bit thinner when it comes to working with the fair folk and working with fae and fairies, whatever you you might might call them. And so I thought I would grab this deck. It's so whimsical and it's so beautiful. And I come to this particular Oracle of the Fairies deck when I need some inspiration with my writing. And I have a fairy altar. I've talked about it on my altar episode that I keep out all year. And it sits in the middle of my windowsill in my sacred space. And I have offering 
I leave offerings out for um, fair folk. And so anyway, that I will talk probably more about that on next week's episode with Beltane. So let's get to the card pool. So let's see what message we have from this deck. Okay. Oh my goodness. So there, well, first there goes Reese. The card I picked is the inspiration fairy, which is so funny. I was talking about, I go to this deck when I need inspiration and look what I found. Spirit always knows. So the inspiration fairy, and this might resonate with you too, says, be prepared as you'll soon receive a visit from the fairy of inspiration. Come dusk or dawn, she can call at any time. So be ready, everybody. So the fairy of inspiration is full of ideas and will gladly share them with you. All you need to do is be receptive to her whisperings. She may plant the most fantastical ideas in your head, but remember, you always have a choice. So if an idea doesn't resonate for you, then simply let it go. It may be meant for someone else. When idea, an idea does resonate, however, go with the fairy flow and trust where it may lead. Sit back and enjoy the fairy ride of fun and creativity as you transform inspirational ideas into reality. So you can call on this fairy whenever you feel you're lacking inspiration. And then the, the fairy of inspiration also reminds you that perhaps it's time to plant your own seeds, which, ah, oh, this is so great, not only um, for this time of year, literally planting seeds, but also seeds of inspiration and your own ideas to start growing. And this is a great season for that. So take a tip from this card's helpful fairy and plant your seeds of inspiration Yes, so I like that one, the Inspiration Fairy. So everyone, thank you for joining me for episode number 21. I do have a few shout outs that I want to give. And again, if you if you like what I'm doing here on the podcast, please make sure you rate, review, you leave um, comments if you would like on Apple Podcasts. I always see them and I like to shout out everybody who has sent me those messages. So for this week, I had a couple new reviews. So thank you. First off, uh, first off, The Crafting Crane. You said that you are new to witchcraft, but I make it easy to understand. And you were in a funk um, the day before you listened to this and you needed something comfy and cozy to listen to and you've been binging this ever since. So thank you, The Crafting Crane. That was really sweet. Um, I love reading these messages. Terry, T-E-R-Y and the ampersand and um, I just love this podcast and all your hearts there. It's like having a conversation with a friend. Warm and the information is practical. I love the card pulling at the end. I'm so glad you like that because I thought, I hope people are enjoying this card pull because I don't I don't hear much and I don't know if people stick around for it, but I think it does resonate with a number of you. So thank you for saying that. Terry, that's really nice. My goal, as you know, was to make it feel like a conversation between friends, just talking about my my craft over a cup of tea um, and sharing that with you all. So thank you. And then Cormia1021, thank you for your comments. You adore this podcast. Comfy and cozy no matter what you're doing. And again, that is, that's the goal. And so I love, I love your words and I really appreciate you saying that. So if you are looking for a way to connect with me, you can find me over on Instagram 
Comfy Cozy Witch. Also, the Comfy Cozy Witches Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group. I made it private because I know there are many witches out there who are still in the broom closet or have one foot in, one foot out. And so I keep that group private. But if you want to check that out, be my guest. I've been overwhelmed just this past week alone. 700 new members have joined and it is truly a comfy, cozy, witchy space. And I'm trying to keep it that way um, the best that I can. It's just a really great space. And if you want to further support me, um, please feel free to check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash comfy, cozy, witch. It, there are three tiers. Um, the, the lowest tier is $3. The second tier is $6. And the third tier, the rosemary tier is $12. And with that tier, you get a whole bunch of, um, little extras and goodies that I send to your inbox. You also get access to a private Facebook group just, I mean, solely for that group. So it's a very small group of, um, of supporters. So thank you. Uh, and I guess that's it then. So until next time, everybody stay comfy, cozy, and witchy.